This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. issue for all women. Hello there and welcome to this week's Sunday Chops. Mickey here, hoping you're feeling up for a revolution. Don't worry if you're not feeling it right now. I am confident that by the end of this podcast you'll be ready to join Sophie Melville's army. I know I am. Sophie is an actor, or theatre ho as she terms herself, who quite rightly caused a stir with her portrayal of Effie in Gary Owen's monodrama Iphigenia in Splot, which first debuted in 2015, then moved to the National in 2016 to phenomenal reviews. As Liz Truss takes control of the Tory government, promising tax cuts and protection to society's wealthiest, while Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng announces a budget that does little to nothing to help those most in need, it seems that austerity and the dangerously stretched state of the NHS have never cut so deep. And yet, that statement felt just as true back in 2015 when Owen's rewiring of Euripides' Iphigenia and Olis first debuted. It's only right that Iphigenia in Splot is back now, once more starring Sophie as Effie, our Greek heroine via Cardiff. Effie's life is a mess of drink, drugs and drama every night and a hangover worse than death the next day, until one night gives her the chance to be something more. In Greek myth, the story of Iphigenia is a tragedy, a young girl sacrificed for male hubris, ambition and legacy. And I chat with Sophie about the Iphigenias, the Effies of today, how they're still being sacrificed and why the time is ripe for revolution. Iphigenia and Splot is at the Lyric Hammersmith London until October the 22nd and tickets are available at the Lyric's website, which is lyric.co.uk. Hello, I'm joined on the Zoom by actor Sophie Melville. Sophie, hello. Hello. How lovely to have you. You're a delight. You're so sunny. It's fairly early still. It's only half ten and you feel very energetic. I come alive in the morning. I think my circadian rhythm is quite strong. I'm an early bird. Okay. Yeah. We're opposites then. I say that. I'm not even a night owl. I just like sleeping. (laughs) So Sophie, you are back on the stage as Effie in Iphigenia in Splot, which is Gary Owen's acclaimed rewiring of the Greek myth, in which one of Greek myth's biggest bellends, Agamemnon sacrifices his daughter Iphigenia in the hope of better weather. So can you tell us about Effie, our Greek heroine via Cardiff? Yes, I, lo- I love the way you put that, for, for better weather. <laughs> <laughs> true story. <laughs> this is true. Essentially, like, it's it's sort of inspired by Iphigenia in Outlast, so it's not um, it's not set in Greece, set in Splot in Cardiff, which is um, was uh, a very rundown area. It's probably getting a little bit gentrified now, as are most rundown places. And essentially, she is really unlikable, and and that's my favourite because I just get to be a bit of a horror. <laughs> and what she's basically doing to the audience is is challenging how they see people. You know, never judge a book by its cover or that sort of stuff. And she makes massive sacrifices for the audience, for society. But you you wouldn't assume that she she would basically. I can't give too much away. <laughs> I don't really know what I'm allowed. <laughs> 
today, but she's an absolute treat to play. And I feel really passionately about it as someone who is from a criminal class background, the same as Effie, that this story gets to be put on a stage, especially in London. And right now when austerity has probably got the tightest grip on society since my lifetime. Mm -hmm. So it's really important. It feels really urgent. Um, I just love it. And that's why I'm doing it again. Like I could have stopped. We did it years ago, but it's the gift that keeps giving and I'll probably be doing it until I'm about 90, I reckon. (laughs) (laughs) I think it'd still work if she was 90. I mean, without giving too much away, there'd be a key element of the play that would have to change. But um, (laughs) the stuff about austerity and, and disempowered underclass, I think that would still be relevant. Yeah, massively. Unless, you know, unless our government changes. And I don't know how much I'm allowed to have a, a political viewpoint, but it's certainly not great right now, is it? I'm just going to do some hollow laughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the government changing. I mean, they're changing, they're getting worse. I suppose that's a yeah. change in some sort of way. But yeah, it's wholly depressing. Which is, the, I think, the maddest thing about doing this play now. So when we first opened in 2015, I didn't think it would ever be more relevant. I thought that was its peak. And I was like, yeah, things are just going to get better after this. But actually, like the need to tell this story again and me being seven years older, it's just despair. Like it's utter despair that we're still living like this and it's getting worse. And like the gap between the classes is getting bigger. And it just feels a little bit to me like it's going to be the underclass and the elite. Mm. Like that middle ground feels like it's really precarious at the moment. And that's scary for everyone, which I think is why Effie's so universal like obviously she's specific to splot she's specific to cardiff but actually she represents more people now than she did back in 2015 do you know what i mean yeah absolutely i saw an interview with rachel o'rid and your director and she was saying that effie takes this cut for all of us and she talks about the underclass and how disempowered they are and if they weren't disempowered we'd be in the midst of a revolution Exactly. And it feels like everyone's just really tired. But, you know, I think so my, my granddad, he um, he works for the Socialist Party for South Wales. And I grew up going on marches and protests and all that stuff. And it was really active and felt like we could make change. And it just feels like everyone's really tired. Like people are tired and, and you just feel like you have no power at all. Because I, I, I mean, do we? That's the question. We supposedly live in a democracy, but it doesn't feel like we've had any say in anything for such a long time. Yeah, I know. It's so scary, isn't it? It is terrifying. And you've touched on it there. It's one of my questions that if anything, post-pandemic and with Brexit fallout in full flow now, like we can't ignore it. This roar against austerity and the dangerously stretched state of the NHS is even more pertinent. I just feel like every time we move along, it's like, well, now it's more pertinent. Now it's even more pertinent. It feels like we are leading to a revolution. That's what it feels like to me. It feels like it it has to be, right? Because something's got to change. Like times are desperate now. Like the fact that we have a cost of living crisis. Why should living cost? Mm. I just think it's madness. It's just so unfair. And you see rich people getting richer and poor people getting poorer. Because it is the underclass that are taking the cut every single time and something has to happen. There's a line in the play where Effie says, it's not about living anymore, you're just meant to exist. Yeah, because they're taking away all the shops and the the bingo halls and the swimming pools, like the, the things that we would do as a community to thrive. And now it's just like survive. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I saw a great quote from a woman called Shafer Akori on Twitter the other day. She's American, but I think it's really it's really fitting for us as well. In which she said, "You can't resilience yourself out of bad governance." <laughs> uh huh. And that seems really fitting to Effie's situation, to the situation that so many people in this country are either in right now or are facing, like they're looking down the barrel of a gun at. But people are knackered, right? Like whenever I go back to Swansea, I look at people that are just working endless hours to try and make ends meet. They don't have time for a revolution. They don't have time to to have an uprising. You know, people people have had enough. Mm. And I think that's what our government is betting on, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. What we see with Effie is she's either drinking herself senseless or drugging herself into numbness. And... Yeah. You know, it's really easy to sort of frown upon that behaviour, but it's so understandable. You know, there but for the grace of, well, not God, because I don't believe, but for whatever, go any of us. And also, she's really clever. This is the thing. People assume that people who are underclass are not intelligent. But actually, what she is doing is she's numbing herself because her brain is so switched on. She can't deal with how unjust her life is. So it's easier for her to feel numb and ignore because there's no way of her getting out. Mm-hmm. So that's how she exists. There's a school around the corner that I'm not going to name and shame, but they were interviewing our designer yesterday and they are quite a wealthy Tory school, should we say. And they asked her, how did uh, she design the costume for a benefit scrounger? <gasps> and honestly... Fuckers. Like and that's like that is genuinely what they think about this person. And no one look we've never once said those words. No one has ever said that to me since we've been doing this play since 2015. And I went, whoa, like that has put a fire up my fucking ass. Like, of course there are people that assume that. They've read the play, they're not going, wow, what an incredible, intelligent woman who's capable of so much love and like healing and compassion. They've just gone, she's a benefits grandeur. Like, how dare you? She doesn't have the opportunities to go to a private school. She doesn't have the opportunities to educate herself like like some do. It's so maddening to me. And it, it's similar to after Labour lost the Red Wall, right? So I come from a working class northern background. And when Labour lost the Red Wall, you get all of these supposedly left-wing newspapers blaming the thick working class for not voting Labour anymore. And it's like, hang on, what? It's always our fault, right? Absolutely. And do you think it's, it's what, what is it? I mean, I don't understand that mentality, but is it a refusal to see? Is it just that they're so protected and so blinkered? I think it's a separation tactic, right? If we're, mm. if we're, we're othered and then we just fight amongst ourselves, don't we? Yeah. Hannah and I have this conversation a lot. She's from a similar but Southern background to me. And it's just that thing of if, you, if you've not had that generational aspect to where you find yourself... And that situation is tricky. If you've not had generational poverty, I wouldn't say that I'm from generational poverty, but poor, like working class, then how do you fucking understand it? How do you get your head around it? Oh, God, it makes me so angry. So, yeah, (laughs) I wanted to ask you about that because obviously Effie is all spark and swank and aggro and she stands for something so vital and rage inducing. Mm. Is it a knackering role to play? Oh, yeah. (laughs) yeah I am exhausted there's a lot of emotion in it especially towards the end of the play a lot of rage but a lot of humor as well like I get to do everything but it's also incredibly physical so every part of me like each cell is empty on that stage (laughs) every night like it's it's such hard work but it is 
is the most important thing I've ever read. And I feel like it's really necessary for people to hear it. And growing up, I didn't think I could be an actor because I never saw people like me on stage. So hopefully there'll be someone from a working class, criminal class background in that audience that goes, oh, I I can do that as well. There is space for me, Mm -hmm. you know? She's really close to your heart, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I grew up around Effie's. Like I, I very nearly was an Effie and just somehow managed to to go to drama school and I don't even know why that happened really but my life took a different course so yeah and, I'm, and that's not me saying I am better than the people that are still there because I feel really I've got to be really careful on how I talk about like my family back home and stuff because I am not more successful than them because I'm working in theatre mm-hmm. you know like how do you measure success like that means absolutely nothing that I'm, I'm doing this job like my mom works endless hours so does my sister so yeah I feel really passionately about those people and it's just it's just giving a voice to to the voiceless right yeah like how often do we get to hear these stories like never (laughs) it's a hard one as well isn't it because I think particularly with the cost of living crisis Jen quite rightly points out that that makes it sound like something that's happened to us rather than something the government has made happen but it's what it's the name it's got so we'll keep using it with the cost of living crisis and prices going up, it's that, that worry, though, that theatre gets more elite. Now, when I was at school, there were theatre trips and they were obviously really reduced so that the kids could all go. We could go on these theatre trips. But I do worry with the cuts in like arts in schools, with the cuts to music and arts and all of that, and the, the Tory resolution, it seems, that they're not important as educational subjects when they are so vital because it's how so many young people find their voice and can, can shout how they feel about stuff and, and address subjects like what's happening in Epigenia in, in Splot. Is it going to be out of reach for people, though? Like, how do we keep it so it's within reach for the for the kids who need to see something like this and see themselves? I mean, the government has to change, doesn't it? Uh. <laughs> but it does, right? Because you're, you're bang on, of course. Ticket prices are, are going up. Like, they, they have to because places need to be able to pay their gas and electric and pay their actors. So, yeah, you're right. Like, it is going to cause a big divide, but there needs to be a revolution. There has to be. And they, um, so they cut drama when I was in school and I did a protest and ended up having detention because of it. But I didn't even know why I was doing a protest. But when I was in those classes, I was like, there is something happening here where I can process my life. Mm. Like, I think it's so important because like I could do this play and sit down for an hour and a half and lecture people on austerity and no one would listen. Like, actually, we learn so much. Like, we grow... Our compassion grows, our empathy grows when we watch theatre, when we watch art, when we listen to music. Like, if you're lectured at, you very rarely listen for that long. Mm-hmm. But there's something about it sort of, it seeps into you more, I think, when you're you're taking in art. And I think it's vital. I really do. Kay Tempest has got a book, right, called On Connection. And they say in it that when you're in an audience, everyone's heart beat sinks together and they're breathing like you literally become one entity and I just think that is the most magical thing I have ever heard Mm, I saw them recently actually at a festival in the Victoria Park I'd gone to see Nick Cave was headlining Kay's delivery of one of their beat poetry songs I, I guess they are the whole crowd and it was a huge just went so quiet because there's always that little bit of chitter-chatter, isn't there, when you're at a gig. It was really disturbing. The beat of it and the rhythm of their voice was... 
actually like got inside you, but you could see that it had got inside everyone. It's, it's magical, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really is. But we need it. Because otherwise, like Afi says in the play, like we are just, we're just existing. Like we've got to be able to live. Mm. Otherwise, what's the point? I've got to point out after our chat about being able to afford the theatre, I was really chuffed to see that particularly for this play, Lyric Hammersmith, which is where it's on at the moment, are offering tickets for like a tenner, which is really good. And you have to be quick, but there are still tickets that you can get for most theatre productions that, you know, you might be up and out of the way in some of the the buildings, but you can still get stuff for a tenner. And it's so important that that theatres keep providing that. Yeah, they also do. So their first night is completely free. I'm not sure who tickets are for I don't know whether you have to live within a certain um, mile radius but the entire first night is free which I just think is incredible So Effie clearly touched a lot of people in her first spin around various theatres and, you know, it debuted in 2015, then moved to the National in 2016 to incredible reviews and an award from the stage for you. Does that make it easier to get back in her skin or is there a lot of pressure? <laughs> There's a lot of pressure, yeah, but that's that's a part of my brain that I just need to switch off because actually what people think about it is not my problem. Like if people hate it, if we get one star reviews across the board, it's not my problem. Like all I have to do is do this character justice and tell this story and then whatever else happens after that is out of my hands, really. It's literally up to the gods, isn't it? So I'm just having to like mute that part of my brain. But obviously I'm aware of it, especially with like Twitter and stuff, because people like to uh, tag you in reviews, oh, which is, it's not helpful really. No, it's not helpful people. If you are going to see something, don't tag them into the review. Because even like, even if you read the good ones, like that's then in your head. So you'll be doing a bit and you're like, oh, someone said this bit was good. And then you're just like regurgitating. And that's just, it's just shit really, isn't it? <laughs> what has shifted for you? for the role in the past seven years then because it has been this momentous bit of history in our country I mean personally I'm seven years older so like the way I'm feeling about her falling in love and her trying to find her purpose in life feels sadder like my literal like weight in my body feels more grounded I feel more um oh god just like really sort of fed up with how people from this background are being treated and it's about 10-15 minutes longer this play than when we did it first time and nothing has been added it's just the weight and being wiser and having more experience and did that answer your question it absolutely (laughs) does because that's the joy and the despair within the character right as as we talked a little bit about at the top there are effies of every age just Mm. trying to trying to live trying to do more than just exist yeah and I actually think so she was always a bit scary when we first did it and like I really reveled in that because it's just great to do but actually like I think there is there's a lot more danger in this production now because I feel like first time round it was like she was sort of rallying the troops and wanted to be a part of an army but now it feels like she is the army she is the captain uh-huh. it feels because me as Sophie because I am so fucking pissed off with how people are disregarded 
there is a rage in me but there's also a rage in this character that is like kind of like a still quiet rage and it's it feels scary and like I'm not aware of Sophie that I'm seven years older but people are watching it going this is frightening now mm. because it feels as if like I really mean it time's up really have your family come and seen you they saw it in Cardiff when we first did it so they don't really understand what I do (laughs) there's not really any creatives in my family and they just think it's a bit weird really they don't understand how I get paid to do it which you know is such a privilege for me like, that no, sounds like up. my mum but yeah <laughs> like, you talk about work growing up and it's like how are you going to put food on the table it's like the fact that I get to do something I love is such a privilege like I'm so aware of that every day my immediate family won't come but like my granddad my bamper he'll probably come down because you know he's he's on his marches for the socialist party and they'll probably do a, a big piece on it as well and my nan comes to London quite a lot because her husband's from London so she'll probably be down but that's it really and that's okay like it's I also find it weird when they they have to watch me doing sexy stuff so. <laughs> I started <laughs> off as a journalist writing for lads Max, which is quite the you know the journey to be um part of a feminist podcast now you know I'm, I believe what? a lot yeah. more in this but I remember my mum just phoned me and she was like can you can you please just stop writing about sex can you write about something else because I need to send something to your nana (laughs) I I love that (laughs) does she listen to these oh this is absolutely in line with what you've just said about your family she's enormously proud of me and Anne downloads every single podcast we make and we make a lot she doesn't know how to listen to them, but she's just got them all on her computer. I'm like, your oh. computer must run so slowly, mum, because it is just <laughs> full of podcasts she doesn't listen to. That's so sweet. I love that. Good on her. It's really cute. I did have a really interesting conversation with one of my cousins who I think my family sounds similar to your family, certainly on my mum's side. And she just said she works in social care. She works in uh, an old people's home and she's very, very good at it. And it's something that I could probably be trained to do, but our gen does it as naturally as breathing. When our granddad was dying, she was just amazing with him and you could see it. And she just said, why do you get paid so much more for what you do than I do? And I was like, I can't really answer that, Jen. It's a fair question. Less people can be trained to do what I do I guess but I absolutely think you should get paid more of course you should that's broken my heart that has and she she wasn't being arsy about it she was just like I don't understand yeah the people who care for us and the most vulnerable should be paid the most right Mm. yeah and teach and stuff like that like people who have such a massive impression on your life should be you know not celebrities they don't need all that money and that's it that the more sort of fame celebrity money you have the more free shit you get as well and it just makes absolutely no sense no madness yeah Yeah, I've got quite a lot of mates who are are what you would call famous I guess and uh yeah the stuff that they get given for free is mind-blowing and then you're out on the streets and you see homeless people and you're like this doesn't quite add up but also the fact that we're all just sort of allowing that to happen like no one questions it right Mm. And that's the fuckery of it. Like, we're just sort of going about our days, not ever questioning that. Well, some of us are. At the heart and at the end of Ephigenia and Splot is a call to arms, basically. Yeah. Is a call for revolution. I don't think that's giving anything away, given the conversation we've just had. No. 
And it's clearly something that's really, really close to your heart and really dear to you and really important. And as we just discussed, needs to fucking happen. Do you think it will? I do. Yeah, I think it has to, right? Do you, do you feel it, right? I know Mercury is in retrograde at the moment. Excuse my headlight. <laughs> But you know, it, it feels it feels like something has to happen, right? Because we've just had so many knocks. It just feel it's a bit relentless at the moment, isn't it? And I can feel a bubbling, and I don't know whether that is just inside me and whether that is just doing this show, but something is shifting. Yeah, there's that crackle, that energy in the air. But I, I and I am a cynic, so I apologise. I do not wish to piss on your revolution parade because I would fucking love it to happen. And I'll be there with my sign that says "fuck this shit" and <laughs> refers to everything that goes on thanks to this Tory government. But I think it's that tiredness. Like people are so tired. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. They, yes, they are. But it just feels like there's been so many things, like in the last couple of months alone, like we have to we have to revolt it it's got to happen because otherwise we can't exist like this watch this space join my army <laughs> <laughs> let's go <laughs> so if a Janiya in splot is at the lyric hammersmith until october the 22nd and you can get tickets by visiting lyric.co.uk sophie it might be a weird question for you given where you are at the moment but what are you up to next do you know I'm a bit of a theatre hoe, really. There's a few, uh, there's a few theatre things in my pipeline, but I'd probably start in a revolution, really. Okay, great. So, where can people follow you on the socials so we can get involved? I've got my signs just here. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm just on Twitter, actually. I try and not do too many of them. I've got ADHD, and my brain doesn't need all those distractions. So, and what's your handle? Oh God, I think I'm at Sophie Melville. I think. Okay, I'll I'll check and put that in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie, thank you so much for chatting with me. It's been amazing. I hope it's the start of something big. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. It's been so lovely. And I'm, I'm ready to go now. I, I'm fired up. I'm ready. <laughs> Standard Issue for all women.